Hey, Zach. Hey, Jack. And hello, all. Welcome back to the Just Hands Poker Podcast. Uh, Zach, so you have a hand for me today? I do. Uh, this was at my first time at the Hustler Casino in Los Angeles. Mm. Uh, quite the place. And this hand occurred about three hours into my session. I got moved to the, the main game, a 2-5 no limit, 1,000 max game, uh, about an hour and a half ago. Um, and the primary villain in this hand is under the gun. Uh, he's an older player, probably in his mid to late 60s. Uh, he has about 2000 in $5 chips, and I've only seen him uh, play passively preflop, like open limp calling. I don't think I've seen him raise yet, um, but has been involved in kind of a fair amount of pots, like seems fairly loose pre and on the flop, but hasn't kind of gotten to showdown or looks like he's called any big bets with uh, bad hands. But he started to looks like he's tilt in the last kind of 15 or 20 minutes or so when he got it all in with top set versus a flush draw and lost and seemed very angry by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's always kind of hilarious to me. Like There are some guys who just definitely want to play poker to sort of uh, validate the other parts of their life that they think are unlucky and just sort of think of themselves as an unlucky person. And you see people who like have a nice start to the session, you know, get up and then like lose one hand and then just go right back into like ultimate tilt. Like I'm just like in a terrible mood mode. Yeah. That was kind of this guy. He looked like pretty <laughs> calm for most of it. And you know, he had like 3000 at one point and lost yeah. like maybe 800 in that set hand. Right. And then, and then all bets are off. Probably the stack disappeared by the time you left. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see what happens in this hand. Yeah. So he open limps and then kind of a nondescript recreational player over limps in middle position. And then in the cutoff, uh, a very loose, very fishy player limps. Uh, and I'm sitting on the button with each king offsuit. And I'm just thinking, what size can I raise to get all three of these people to call? Um, and I decide 35 is that size. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also at that point, uh, I think I've been playing fairly tight. Uh, so there's some scenarios where I can raise a lot bigger <laughs> and know that I'm going to get called. Especially because when like the loose fish and the early position player limp they're limping intending on calling all bets and when they see like if i were to make it something like 50 they might be like oh he's just trying to steal (laughs) i'm gonna call Mm -hmm. uh but at the same time i was playing fairly tight at that point and didn't want to risk uh you know blowing everyone off the hand so i made it a mere 7x (laughs) okay yeah that sounds pretty uncontroversial to me uh so the blinds fold and all three of the Oh, sorry. No, the early position player calls, the fish calls, the middle position limper folds. So we're seeing a flop with about 105 in the pot after rake. So the flop is 3-3-4 with a flush draw. I forget which flush draw it was. All I know is that neither of my ace or king were of that suit. And it's checked fairly quickly to me. So, Jack, what are you thinking here? Uh, well... How wide do you think the type player is limping under the gun? Honestly, it's it's really hard to say. I would say that his ranges don't look particularly different 
under the gun versus in late position. There's probably a small difference, but not nearly the difference that there should be. So I would say he's fairly wide, but not very wide. Okay. Uh, well, I think if we're betting, we should be betting for value. Because I, I think our hand doesn't need a ton of protection against worse hands. So are we? do you think we're betting to try and induce some sort of bluff raise or betting you know, to get called by a worse hand? Yeah, so the I haven't really seen the early position player uh, make what looks like a bluff, but I've seen the kind of very loose fish to my right. And I didn't kind of go into this because he's not the main villain in the hand, but this actually was kind of... That villain actually informed my bet size on the flop more than the other villain. This guy probably dropped about... 2k while I was at the table and apparently dropped at least that much before and then left about 30 minutes before to go to the bank because his ATM card wasn't working and kept making jokes about that he had to do that. <laughs> so now he's back uh, and he's generally been more stationy, but he's also the type of player where it's like once he decides to go with a hand, he just kind of ships it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking that a smaller bet size would kind of accomplish two things. One, it would get value from, you know, many, if not all of the loose fishers ace highs and some of the, you know, more the, uh, the early position players ace highs um, get, you know, value from all gut shots, straight draws, uh, flush draws, but then also potentially induce a raise from the loose fish if I bet a little bit smaller than normal. So I ended up betting 40 you know, intending on calling, you know, most most races from the loose fish right to my right. Mm-hmm. My, my initial reaction is that it's, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable to, you know, be betting to induce a bluff uh, with sort of the intention of maybe even getting stacks in against this player with ace king. I oh, don't know if you're I'm, thinking about I'm not intending on getting stacks in whatsoever. Then well if you think that sort of based on your description you think this player is gonna go with it. If you think if he's uh raising you on the flop, he's not gonna barrel on the turn and maybe the river also? I think he might barrel uh on I think he will probably more often than not barrel on the turn, but not all the time, and likely not barrel on the river. Uh, but what I was saying before, just like to kind of complete the picture of this villain, like in spots not like this where, you know, uh, I said the effective stack of the first player is like 2,000. Uh, I have a little over 2,000 at that point, where the player to my right uh, has about, I think, seven or 800. So uh, I'm not trying to get in stacks on the flop. I think there's some runouts where I could potentially call down. Uh, but I was just saying, like in spots before where maybe the SPR is smaller, and he's kind of faced with a decision where he should, like, he's obviously trying to figure out where, whether he should hero call or not. He often, instead of hero calling, just, like, raises when he's going to hero call if it's not that much more. Mm-hmm. So I, I haven't, you know, seen him uh, get crazy out of line all the time. But I've been, you know, I'm right to his left. I'm, you know, isolating him all the time. I'm kind of talking with him. Uh, I just raised his limb to 35. Uh I think he's going to be much more likely to bluff in this spot than maybe he would in other spots. Um, and while I don't think he's bluffing all the time like crazy too much, he's he's mainly like bad in like a very just passive sense. 
uh, I think this action can very much, and board, can bring out uh, a bluff in him a good amount of the time. So planning to just kind of evaluate a position. Yeah. I think I personally like a check better here. Uh, I'm not as convinced that you're going to get calls from worse very often. And I think that if this is a player who's likely to bluff, uh, raise your bet on the flop, then they're also likely to bluff uh, a lot of turns. And I think that might be a better way to you know, get some value by inducing bluffs out of this player, uh, you know, where taking, I think taking this line sort of strengthens his bluffing range maybe uh, and will cause you to put a lot more money in the pot to bluff catch against this when, player's When unit. you mean strengthens his bluffing range, you mean strengthens his check-raising range, right? Well, the, the, yeah, so I think his check-raise bluffing range is probably stronger it's hard to strength is sort of weird on this board because uh, it's so low. So there's there's not a lot of strong hands in this range that aren't. The, I mean, the best equity hands in this range are going to be draws uh, and pairs, of course. Yeah, I think that betting forty on the flop is going to personally going to induce a lot more bluffs than checking back turn. As someone who, in his head, is probably like an overly aggressive young player and I make like a small c-bet on the flop, I think that's going to look a lot weaker than if I check the turn on a board that I'm supposed to c-bet. And that's generally my experience, that like a uh, checking back the flop when I've been c-betting a lot, which I haven't been playing many hands, but you know I probably c-bet a very high frequency. Not c-betting kind of throws alarm bells for a lot of players more in a much bigger way than a small bet does. Mm-hmm. Well... Given your assumptions, then I'd like the small bet. Yeah, I'm not as confident that you're going to get value from worse, uh, which I think tilts it towards a check for sure, but uh, I'll trust you considering you were at the table. So then something kind of unexpected happens. The early position player kind of instantly check raises to 100. Then the loose fish calls, uh, folds. So then it's it's on me on the button, 60 more to call. We're about 400 big blinds deep. What do you think in here? And what do you think his range looks like? Uh, I think his range has a lot of pocket pairs. This seems like probably a protection bet. It just seems a lot more likely that he has a hand, uh, you know, like fives through even maybe up to like tens or jacks than him having a draw that he wants to raise you with here. It's, uh, so yeah, I would definitely you know put him on a lot of pocket pairs. Yeah, I agree. I think the vast majority of the time he probably has that. But just given the speed, I think we could also just kind of put some random bluffs in his range. Whether those are draws or just kind of random ace highs. Maybe. Uh, have you seen this player make a bluff like this before? No. But I also have never seen him act this quickly before. So it, it, the combination of like the board being low, him just kind of getting a little bit more tilted, uh, and him acting quickly makes me think that there are much more bluffs in his range than there normally would be, which normally maybe there's zero. Um, so I still think most of his check-raising range here uh, is like what, what you said, like protection. 
uh, five through jacks, but I think that he will be wider here than he normally would, which one he would maybe only have five through jacks. I'm not sure that I would read as much into uh, the speed of the bet as you are. I think, you know, it's it's also pretty reasonable to think that he expects you to bet, and if he's holding, you know, one of these middling pocket bear hands, he might have already known he was going to raise you and probably wants you to fold. Uh, and so, therefore, maybe thinks it looks stronger to bet quickly. I, I'm not saying that because I am certain that that's what he's thinking. I'm just saying that to sort of throw out another explanation and maybe say that we don't really know what that means uh, and shouldn't consider that very heavily. I, I'm not saying that I don't think it's possible that he has some you know very low equity bluffs in this spot, but I do think it's unlikely given the fact that we haven't seen him bluff uh, the fact that you guys are, you know, very deep, the fact that he's out of position and that there's another player left in the hand. Okay, cool. Uh, well, e- either way, we might differ a little bit on, you know, what percentage of his range is going to be low equity bluffs, but we both agree that it's still majority not. And it's mainly these middling pocket pairs. Um, so what do you, what do you like doing? Uh, I think it's probably a good spot to float, uh, I think we have pretty good equity when we hit a pair. Uh, I think that some of the time, you know, he has a draw that bricks. And I think either way, we can put a lot of pressure on him in later streets. I I don't think that raising the flop is the best time to put pressure on this player. Uh, But I think that we can really punish... uh, his range on the turn and river. And I think, you know, as long as you're confident that you can put in enough money to get him to fold all of those middling pairs. And I think that this is a great flow. Yeah. That's what I was thinking in game. It took me a second to kind of formulate my plan, but I think that, uh, honestly trying to get him to maybe even put another bet on the turn, because if I get to the river and he has this middling pair, I think if he checks or bets to me, I just have a very profitable better raise. Uh, so this guy is a little bit tilted, but he really hasn't gone line post-flop, and even though he just lost a big hand, I think he might even be... You know, he, he's the type of player that's going to be less inclined to put more money in on a hero call now in the river. Where a lot of players, maybe they lost a big hand, they're going to kind of gamble on a hero call where he's like, oh, I'm just so unlucky. Like, I, I can't call this river. I'm never good. Uh, but even even so, if we take out the tilt factor, I just think that, you know, we can pretty clearly define his range as middling pocket pairs. And if we call call the flop check raise, you know, call a turn bet that he makes or bet turn bet river, it's going to be very hard for him to hold on till the end. Yeah, I agree. So I called. So now we have three oh five in the in the pot going to the turn, and the turn uh, pairs the four. So now we have a double paired board three three four four, and he bets out a hundred. Uh so. I think based based on our plan and the fact that the board hasn't really changed that much. I mean, I I've not. It's not. I don't think he has any fours in his range. I do think that you know some of his range is now full houses, but I think a lot more of it is still just two pair. It's really a question of call or raise. I'm somewhat inclined to raise because I think that having two pair on the board. I think he'll think it's less likely that we're drawing when we raise here. 
just because, uh, you know, some of our draws will be drawing dead already. So I think the question here is just what's going to look stronger to this player? You know, calling the turn and betting when check two or raising the river or raising here. Uh, and I think that's really the only thing we're trying to consider. And in-game, um, what I also was thinking about was that if I just call here, if the board kind of bricks out, would he maybe even bet again as a blocker bet? Where then I could, you know, get even more value? And I was, I really kind of thought a while on the turn. I thought for about probably close to two minutes. And I ended up calling, thinking that on a lot of runouts, he might just bet the river, and then I would get more value. Because I'm pretty confident if I raise turn or make a big river better river raise, he's going to fold. So I ended up calling to just simply try to get more value, uh, thinking that it's not going to look... It might even look stronger to better raise river. And if I'm confident that he's going to respond to a turn raise the same he would to a big river better river raise, I'm kind of free-rolling, just hoping I'll get another, you know, maybe 100 from him on the river. So I think you're, what you're hoping to happen might be a little bit optimistic. I don't think it's super likely that he'll throw out a blocking bet and then fold to a big river bet. I think it might be a, a more surefire thing. One, I think us winning this, I know we want to build the biggest bluff to steal, which is, I think, a noble endeavor. But I think... Having him fold a turn is not a bad outcome at all. Yeah, of course. So I would say, I think what will be best is to make a smaller turn raise, maybe to like 250. Oh. <laughs> uh, give him an opportunity to fold here. Uh, you know, I think if if we get three bet on the turn, we can pretty comfortably fold. And if he calls... I think it's really likely that he'll check to us on the river and we can have a, a very large third barrel that I think will get the job done against all of those pairs. So, so I didn't even think about that option. So if I raise turn small, I'm raising hoping for a call. And that will make my, you know, maybe river bluff success even higher because the pot will be bigger and therefore the barrel will be bigger. Right, and I think, you know, giving him two opportunities to fold... And I, I think that the line looks stronger, uh, or will look stronger to this player. Yeah, and also if I'm thinking, you know, I, I, I don't want to be have any semblance of balance against this type of player. Uh, but I think he also might intuitively kind of know that, you know, if I had a really nutted hand, I'm going to be raising the turn. Like if I had a three or a four. Yeah. Um, that being said... There, because of the double paired board, when we kind of raise turn like that and then bet river big, in many ways it takes kind of aces and kings out of our range to him. Or maybe, maybe I not. don't think that's true. Okay. Well, we're, we're trying to get in the mind of a player we don't really know so well. But you're right. Yeah, For I whatever think, reason, I think your line definitely looks a lot stronger. I think a player holding sevens or eights here is going to fear aces and kings a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that might be that sort of fear factor might actually be more important than considering, you know, how polarized our range is from that player's <laughs> perspective. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so in-game, I called. Yeah. Uh, so now, 
pot is 505, and on the river, I bank an ace, of course. <laughs> so now uh, I'm, you know, thinking, thinking value, and he bets out 100 again. So I think to me it's a pretty straightforward raise for value. The question is, what sizing are we going for? Because, you know, I think when he does 100, when this ace comes, like, to me that just screams like I'm probably folding to any raise. At least that's how I interpreted it. Yeah. So my my first instinct is to either put out a really small raise or a really big raise. I think our small raise is more likely to get called, but our big raise, you know, might be better if it gets called at least a decent percentage of the time, you know, compared to how much our small raise would get called. So Considering this player's tilting, I think I would throw out a bet of maybe like 500 and just, you know, hope that he gets stubborn. I'm not sure that... I think it, it might be tempting, like, with that train of thought to go even bigger, go all in. I don't think that's terrible using the same math, but I do think that a lot of players would think a lot harder about, you know, be, or would be more stubborn against a bet like 500 than a bet of 1,500. But I, I would respect an all-in if that's like what you decided to do. Yeah, that would have been pretty sick. Uh, <laughs> going all-in on a double-paired board and a top pair. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely... It is r- it's risky, really... but I don't think it's that risky based on his bet sizing. Yeah, exactly. Like, if, if this type of player, older player who's played straight forward all night, like... Check raises to 100 quickly with like the nuts and then bets out 100 and 100. Like, God bless him. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, how many, how many 5 4 hands is this guy playing? I don't, I mean, maybe, maybe none. Likely none, you know. Playing this way, even fewer. Yeah. And I don't know. This, this same player could fold a three. I, I don't think he has very many threes either. But, you know, he, he could, he's not folding A's three. Yeah. So let's not even worry about getting him to fold any full full houses. I don't think that is necessarily congruent with our plan. But I, I do think the fact that we think he has very few full houses makes going all in a lot more of a plausibly good idea. Yeah. So again, in this spot, it was it was interesting. I probably took another two minutes or so just thinking. And I had a similar train of thought. It's like, okay, if I raise really small, he probably will just like. Be like, oh, it's only another 100 or so. Like, I have to call with all of these pairs. And I think I would, you know, can get a, a call from that, a good pers- from the range we defined a large percentage of the time. But then we also have the other option with raising big. And I just felt that maybe if he checked, I can raise big. But when the ace comes out, like, like you said, he's like, even if he's fearing aces and kings, like, as my bluffs, he might just be fearing, like, ace-king exactly, you know? Or, like, ace high hands. Mm-hmm. So, in game, I just kind of felt that, like, when he leads out 100, 100, 100, he's just, like, praying not to get raised. And, like, maybe a small percent of the time, he does get stubborn and will call a big raise. But I just thought not enough compared to the times where it's like, oh my god, it's only another 100. Fuck, I have to call. <laughs> uh, so, I, I ended up raising to 205. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand that logic. Although, I do think that. 
there's something very <laughs> this is i don't I don't know if I can say this with a lot of confidence, but uh my gut feeling is that if a if a player is considering you having ace king here, they will want to pay to see you turn over ace king and make just like complain about it and make you feel bad about it <laughs> like I know that's sort of I, I'm not no, I saying that we should make decisions based on that. Oh, so no, we I, totally should. Well, I don't know if I'm confident enough with that. To I, I think with your logic, I'm not ready to add this to your logic. I think based on your logic, I like the bet of 205. But I do think that one thing I think is maybe a little bit more concrete is that I don't think you have a ton of aces in your range, and I think this player probably suspects that. Uh, especially considering you've been playing somewhat tight. Um so I think this player, if he's thinking that you have some ace-jack, ace-queen, ace-king, uh, one, he'll be sort of in disbelief that you would get this far in the hand with those hands and then decide to raise here and sort of just want to call, both because he thinks that you are probably full of it, and if you do turn over an ace, he can sort of steam, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still... In retrospect, not 100% confident on what the right bet sizing is, kind of given all that stuff. Um, I think it's really hard to know just what he's going to do with these hands because it could really go either way. Yeah. Uh, just but, ask him. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean results-oriented, I made the right bet sizing because he folded, I think. <laughs> so if I had any chance of getting called, it was... Well, I mean... Maybe, but... You know, I, I have been in situations where, like, betting much bigger will look a lot bluffier. But I was just playing fairly tight so far. So I just did not. Yeah. yeah. We also, I mean, he could have a misdraw. He took about, like, a minute and a half. But To make the bet? No, to make the fold. Oh, to make the fold? Yeah. Yeah, he probably wasn't considering uh, it a razor fold situation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I do think this is a little bit... I. I had I had this thought before hearing the results, so it's not completely results oriented. But I might not have shared it not hearing the results, <laughs> so keep that in mind. But I do think that there's something to making a bet that like it just really seems like you want to get called. I think that that can look stronger to some players, and it, because I don't think players are looking at it in terms of pot odds. They're not thinking, like, I should be calling this if I think I'm good uh, 15% of the time. Yeah. They're just thinking, like, am I good? <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I think most of the time, like, you know me, especially with the image that I normally have, like, I'm going to be very unbalanced. All the listeners that play against me, you know, just know this, remember this. <laughs> when I'm betting really big against a recreational player, I'm likely very unbalanced towards value. Uh, just because of like what Jack says, like most people in river situations and big pots have inelastic calling ranges. So uh, it, the best way to exploit that is by betting very large for value uh, and very small um, when bluffing. Or not necessarily very small, but smaller. Yeah, so most of the time I'm just going for, you know, fat value whenever I can. But I think there are some players that simply just will always call these, like, small bets and small raises even when they know they're beat. And 
in game, that's what I thought this player was like. Uh, and in retrospect, I'm you know I think it was likely the correct bet sizing, but I'm still not sure. Like we're just weighing that the fact that like he might just feel priced in to call with all of his hands versus that like maybe five to twenty five percent of the time when he's just gonna like flip out and call a big bet, you know. And if that percentage is large enough, then betting big makes sense mathematically. Uh, but I wasn't sure in game and just kind of went for the the not fat value, the the small amount of value, which doesn't normally happen, but I thought this this scenario called for it. Yeah, I think the all-in would have been just, like, more fun. Yeah. For the fun EV versus the monetary EV. <laughs> yeah. How, yeah. Well, he need, I mean, he would need to call your all-in one-fifteenth um, as often. <laughs> yeah. Which... Now that factor that against how many uh, full houses you think are in this range. Yeah, but I mean it definitely would have made a better better brag for the podcast. Like maybe we should just start overbetting all in on the yeah. cover. Just like that's kind of yeah. what I'm thinking. <laughs> okay, well thank you for the hand. Hey guys, Jack here. Thanks again for tuning in. Remember, as always, you can head to our website justhandspoker.com and send us hands that you've played and. We may feature them on the podcast, and if not, we'll write back to you with our thoughts. And as always, keep tabs on the blog, planning some new stuff soon. Uh, So thank you guys again, and we'll see you next week.